Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome. Welcome to episode 62. It's been a long time. It's finally episode 62 of WFS, the Will Ford Show. It's been... It's been so crazy, man. Spring break a couple weeks ago for me did not go to plan. I was planning on doing at least two episodes that week. I was going to try and push out three uh, just to really get caught up on missing the two weeks prior. And some things came up that I just didn't expect to happen. Um... And then we went back to school, and it just feels like I haven't had a second to do anything that I've wanted to do. I've been wanting to get on here and, and do stuff so bad. I've missed so much as far as sports goes. So any probably a lot of the stuff I'm going to talk about today is is almost irrelevant at this point. But I've just been so busy... Uh, just doing work for classes, doing sales stuff for the radio station at Muskingum, WMCO. Um, fortunately, I've been able to carry some of my segments over to my radio show that's on WMCO on Mondays from 8 to 10. So if you've been tuning into that, I thank you for listening to that. At least you're getting a couple fixings of some sports content from me every week. But as far as the podcasting goes, I just haven't, I really just haven't had an hour to just sit down and and get an episode recorded and do something. Right now it's 11.42 at night. I was planning on doing this earlier, but some more sales stuff came up. I was going to literally do this at like 8 or 9 o'clock and I was getting in contact with some people about sales stuff for our big event that we have coming up. And so it kind of delayed this a little bit, but um, I got class at 8 a.m. in the morning. I got to be up at 6, but I want to do this episode. I've been waiting so long to do it. It's been 15 days. I looked at my page. I've been looking at my page and it said 15 days. And I just, I hate doing that because I hate, I hate not being able to push out content because then, you know, it's tough to keep listeners that way. But I'm trying. Hopefully you're sticking with me. And really after WMCO weekend is done, you know, the WMCO weekend is March 28th through the 30th. Once we have all the planning for that done, the sales stuff for it ends this week. So after Friday, we'll be done with sales stuff. And then it's going into actually planning the event and, you know, getting that getting that situated and once that event's over the following week is just going to be about thanking the businesses that ended up sponsoring the event and then maybe I can take a week off of sales stuff and kind of just decompress because it's just been super stressful not only for me but just for some other people on the sales team it's been it's been really stressful and for other people that you know work in WMCO and are doing stuff for the event, but just just seems like I'm so log jammed with everything. But 
I'm happy to get on the mic. Who cares if it's 11.45 at night? We're going to get this done, and I I love doing this, and I'm, I'm just glad to be back. So if we're looking into some prominent news today, um, Mike Trout actually signed a huge extension in the MLB. He actually has two years left on his contract with the Los Angeles Angels, and he just re-upped, signed a huge mega ex- extension with the Angels, 12 years, $430 million. So he's signed for one less year than Bryce Harper is with the Phillies, but he's going to make $100 million more million. And it's the same thing as Bryce Harper's contract. There is no opt-out clause, no trade clause. So he is locked in for the rest of his career. He's locked in until his 39th birthday, until after his 39th birthday. And talk about a hometown discount. I mean, that is a huge chunk of change. That is the most lucrative deal in MLB history. Just, that's crazy. And I, I get that Mike Trout loves the loves the LA Angels and he loves being there. But this team went 80 and 82 last season. It's not exactly a team that's competing for the playoffs. Sitting just below 500. So from a winning perspective, this deal doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm sure there's he can find a way out of it via trade if he really wanted to down the line. This is why the, some of these deals with the no opt-outs really don't make sense to me because you, most players, especially star players, they want to opt out after four or five seasons to be eligible for another deal and another big extension and maybe go to a different team if they want to. But a no opt-out, means you're locked in for for 12 years and you can't get out of it. The only way you can get out is via trade. And that would be pretty tough to do with a contract of Mike Trout's size and obviously as the years go by, he gets older. But locked in for 12 years, $430 This is obviously about keeping the Angels relevant. Certainly. I mean, with Mike Trout, he's the best player in baseball, the best player of his generation, and you could argue one of the best players of all time. And then it's really good for a marketing perspective as well because it keeps the Angels relevant and it keeps people filling up the seats. It's very similar to that that Padres and Manny Machado deal. That was strictly to just get people filling up the seats because the San Diego Padres kind of take a backseat to the LA Angels and the LA Dodgers. So, and especially the LA Dodgers. So signing a a high-profile player like a Manny Machado is going to fill seats. Similarly with this Mike Trout deal, it's going to keep butts in seats and it's going to keep butts in seats for the next 12 years, assuming he lives out the rest of this deal. Had two years left on his contract and he's going to be adding over a decade onto that. 
absolutely nuts, insane deal. And I mentioned that this is the most lucrative deal in MLB history. It's obviously the the most lucrative in the sport today. And if you're looking at the biggest contracts for athletes across all four major sports, Mike Trout with the LA Angels is making $430 million. And the NBA, Russell Westbrook with the Oklahoma City Thunder is making $207 million over the course of his deal. Matt Ryan in the NFL is the is uh he's got the biggest contract with the Atlanta Falcons $150 million. And then in the NHL, Alex Ovechkin is making $124 million with the Washington Capitals. So it seems like we've had a huge jump in cap, uh, especially with collective bargaining agreements becoming more and more um, lenient with money. Just a huge rise in, in cap for all the major sports. Obviously, the MLB does not have a a, uh, a cap ceiling. There is no cap in the MLB. It's just as much money as the owner is willing to pay and as much money as the owner has. So obviously, this is that that is irrelevant to the MLB. But as far as the other sports, you're just seeing a major rise um, in cap for each team and the salary cap. And as a result, payers are allowed to be paid uh, more lucrative deals. But this deal with with Mike Trout is obviously going to keep fans in the seats. The LA Angels are still going to be as relevant as pretty much any team in the MLB when you have the best best player in the league. Um, They're going to need more pieces, though, to, to put together a World Series contender. They were 80 and 82 last season. But keeping him around long term might entice um, some other free agents. It kind of puts a wrench in Bryce Harper's plan. He was hoping to recruit Mike Trout when his contract was up to Philadelphia, but that's clearly not going to happen now. But just what an insane deal for Mike Trout. And it's great for the LA Angels because they can stay relevant. All right, so we're moving on to the NFL. So much has gone on in the NFL, and I've been gone for 15 days that I've really missed the best stuff. I mean, I've missed everything with the NFL. Antonio Brown was traded by the Oakland Raiders to, or gee, I messed that up, traded from the Pittsburgh Steelers to the Oakland Raiders for a third round and a fifth round pick in 2019. That doesn't seem like a lot of uh, a lot of compensation for a guy like an Antonio Brown, the best receiver in the league, probably the best receiver in the past I don't know 5 to 10 years. Um I w- I wouldn't say of his generation just because I I love Larry Fitzgerald and he's always just been so consistent over the years with inconsistent quarterback play. But Antonio Brown was traded to the Raiders for a third and a fifth round pick. Uh, the Bills were in talks with the with the Steelers. The Steelers and the Bills had a deal. And then Antonio Brown threatened to retire if he had went to the Bills. So the Bills kind of pulled out 
and that deal kind of died. And then a couple of days later, this deal happens. John Gruden somehow gets a first-round pick for Amari Cooper uh, from the Cowboys and then is able to not have to give up a first-round pick to get Antonio Brown, who is obviously better. Um, he's like seven years older. Um, so if you ask me who I wanted, if, if I want Amari Cooper or Antonio Brown, I'll take Amari Cooper as far as a career standpoint, just because he's got so much longer left. But if you're asking me for one year, I'll take Antonio Brown. But I cannot believe that John Gruden got away with only having to give up a third and a fifth for this. I mean, because clearly Antonio Brown, the best receiver in the league, he's clearly a first, he's worthy of a first round uh, draft pick. But I just don't think the market was that high on Antonio Brown. And the reason why is because of his antics on and off the field. All the Facebook Live stuff, the the immaturity, the fights with Big Ben, pointing fingers at everybody. I don't think teams really just wanted to... I don't think they wanted to get involved with that. I don't think that was something that they thought highly of. I think a lot of teams probably thought Antonio Brown handled this situation uh, very poorly, could have done it a lot better. And I think that's why the market was really low on Antonio Brown. A third and a fifth was probably the best that they could get. The New England Patriots actually offered a second and a fourth in 2019. But of course, the the Steelers don't want to do business with the Patriots. No team wants to do business with the Patriots. And if I were working in the league, I would never do business with the Patriots because they always screw you. It's like Danny Ainge in the NBA for the, the GM for the Celtics. He's a mastermind when it comes to, to trades. So I can only imagine what Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft have up their sleeves as far as trade goes. I would never do business with the Patriots. Second and a fourth is a, the best deal that they could have gotten, but you're kind of picking the lesser of the two evils. I would rather take less compensation than give them to the best team in the league, the the reigning Super Bowl champs. Give Tom Brady another weapon to go out there and win another Super Bowl. Um, so, obviously that makes sense. And taking a, th- I mean, you just have to take a third and a fifth at that point. But Antonio Brown's going to be with the Raiders. They're not going to get rid of Derek Carr. That's my gut feeling anyways. I think Antonio Brown wants to play with Derek Carr, so they're not going to get rid of him. Which means my prediction of Kyler Murray going to the Oakland Raiders is that's just no longer possible. I could be surprised. Who knows? They may take him and do a little switcheroo on me, but it looks like it's not likely to happen anymore. Um, We'll talk about some draft stuff in a little bit. I actually have a plan for that. Um, so I'm not going to do any mock draft stuff this episode, but we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, another story for free agency, especially in the first week, is that all the safeties got paid. And I mean big time. All the big time safeties, Earl Thomas, Landon Collins, um, Tyron Matthew, the three biggest safeties on the market, 
Tyra Matthew went to the Kansas City Chiefs for three years, $42 million. Landon Collins left the Giants for the Washington Redskins, six years, $84 million. That's an incredible amount of money. And then Earl Thomas signed with the Ravens three years, I believe $54 million. Um, so that that's a lot of money too for a guy who's coming off of a broken leg and he's near the age of 30 as well. So safety's getting paid. Haha ha Clinton Dix moved from the Redskins as well, and he went to the Chicago Bears on a one-year $3.5 million deal, actually. Very cheap, probably a prove-it deal uh, given to them by the Bears. I might have said the Packers I, by accident. I, he's going to the Chicago Bears. Um, the reason why I'm thinking that is because Adrian Amos, who was the safety for the Bears last season, went to the Green Bay Packers. So I think I might have confused that accidentally. Probably I may have. I don't know. But he's going to the Green Bay Packers as well, and he's getting a fair bit of money. So a lot of people kind of thought that you know the safety position was kind of no longer necessary in the NFL. You no longer needed a great safety to have a good defense. You you didn't need to overpay for one. You didn't need to pay one, really. Um, And that was kind of especially after the Legion of Boom kind of fell off. But now it looks like safeties are back. I mean, Earl Thomas is getting his money. Landon Collins, Tyron Matthew, they're all getting their money. And Earl Thomas to the Ravens was a big surprise. It's not something I really expected to happen. Um, because I really thought that the Cowboys were in play. They didn't have the money to to sign him to a deal like that. Um, but I thought maybe Earl might sacrifice a little bit of money for winning because the Cowboys have one of the better rosters in the league and they were a playoff team last year. Ravens are, they were a playoff team, but they lost some guys on defense. And I just don't think they're going to be as good as the Cowboys. We'll see. Um, But if we're looking around the rest of the NFL as far as free agency goes, I mean, just a ton of stuff happened. Um, Josh Rosen, there's been teams looking into Josh Rosen of the Cardinals uh, because the Cardinals are supposedly interested in Kyler Murray. I think that's a mistake. I think they should keep Rosen unless unless they can get a first rounder for Rosen. And then take Kyler Murray. I wouldn't move off of Rosen, but teams have asked about Rosen, especially the Giants, which is interesting. Um, Jordan Howard of the Chicago Bears. The the Bears have put him on the trade block. They no longer want to keep him after a, a very down year last season. The Broncos traded their quarterback, Case Keenum, to the Washington Redskins. Um, as you know, the Redskins are without a quarterback for this season as Alex Smith has the the broken leg. And the, the Broncos ended up trading for Joe Flacco. So they're moving off of Keenum. Keenum's going to go to the Redskins. And they'll have a quarterback who is going to be solid for at least a year or two Unless they draft a guy, or until they draft a guy, I suppose. Um, 
Let's see, just scrolling through here, just so much has been going on. I'm just trying to figure out the, the most important stuff. Uh, the Rams signed Eric Weddle. The Ravens cut him the first week of free agency, and the Rams signed Eric Weddle to a two-year deal, $12 million, I believe. So, I mean, they're getting one of the best safeties of this generation in Eric Weddle. Not as great as he once was with the with the Chargers, but he's still a really, really good safety, and he's going to really improve the back end for for the Rams, which was kind of weak near the end of the season. Um, let's see. It's just so much. I mean, I just miss so much. Um, Nick Foles signed a four-year, $88 million deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I believe I might have already talked about that before. I know I definitely did on the radio, the radio station during one of my shows. I talked about that. I'm not sure if I talked about it on here, but the Jags were really the only team interested in Nick Foles. There was really no other market for him. Four years, $88 million. I think that's a fair price for Nick Foles. $22 million ain't bad for a mid-level quarterback, a Super Bowl MVP. So I think that that's obviously great for the Jaguars because they're going to have a better quarterback. Now they just need some weapons on offense, a tight end, receivers. And there's gonna there's plenty of that in the draft. Um, Quan Alexander from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers signed with the 49ers on a four-year, $54 million deal. He's coming off of an ACL injury. Um, but he's a really young, good linebacker. Oh, let's see. Just trying to see if there's any other notable signings. There's something else I want to talk about, but I just want to see if there's any other notable signings before I get to that. Um, I don't see anything right now. I'm going to keep scrolling, but the Cleveland Browns made the biggest splash of free agency. If you thought the Antonio Brown trade was you know, incredible. That was at least expected. This kind of wasn't really. There were talks about it, but it just wasn't like, I don't think anyone really believed it happened. Uh, it would happen. The Cleveland Browns traded for giant star wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. And so now the Browns have Jarvis Landry and Odell and David Njoku, Kareem Hunt. Uh, Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield, they got all these guys and they've probably got the most star-studded offense in the entire NFL. The Browns gave up their first-round pick, several or a couple other picks, and um, Jabril Peppers, their starting safety, and shipped him over to New York. I mean, just an absolutely crazy, crazy deal. It's just something I never expected. I know the 49ers had pursued him for a while, 
And that was just always what seemed most likely to me if a deal was going to happen is the 49ers. But I just never expected a deal to happen because he, he is New York. I mean, literally, if you talk about sports in New York other than the Yankees, you talk about Odell Beckham Jr. and the Giants. I mean, there's nothing else. I mean, it's crazy. Here's the deal right here. Um, let's see. I mean, for the Browns, this is just an A, A plus trade grade. Um, so the Browns are going to get Odell Beckham Jr. from the Giants, and the Giants received the first round pick of 2019, number 17 overall. The Browns, uh, third round pick, and a safety for and safety Jabril Preppers. So a first, a third, and Jabril Preppers. For arguably the best receiver in football, one of the best receivers in football, Odell Beckham Jr. I, I this was not a great trade for the Giants. Yes, you get another pick in the first round, and yes, you get a decent safety that can replace Landon Collins. But for Odell, who's young, who's a superstar, who is New York. I mean, that's literally how you sell tickets is Odell Beckham Jr. This is like an F, D plus F grade for for the New York Giants. This deal, honestly, in my opinion, catapults the Cleveland Browns to the top of the, a- the AFC or near the top. And I predict right now, just straight up early prediction, the Browns are going to make the AFC championship next season. I know that's high expectations. But that offense is just so, so talented, way too talented. The Browns actually also added Olivier Vernon from the Giants in an earlier trade. They signed Sheldon Richardson, a defensive tackle. I mean, they made a lot of big moves. They were even in talks to land Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas was considering the Browns after they got Odell. Just think if that would have happened, and that would make them Super Bowl favorites in my eyes. But I mean, the Browns have done a fantastic job during this this offseason so far. They've really built up their defense, added another weapon on offense. They've done just an incredible job so far. Then if you continue to look around, Le'Veon Bell has now signed a deal. He's going to join the New York Jets. Uh, He's joining them. Uh, I'm not sure what the details of the trade are, or not the trade, but the signing are here, but he's going to be joining the the Jets on a long-term deal. And he's going to be making roughly $13 million base salary for the next four years. Um, So that's less than what he was going to make last year with the Steelers had he not sat out. But the guarantee is what you really think about here. You may think that Le'Veon Bell lost the war as far as the money he wanted to make. But I don't think it was ever about being the highest paid running back for Le'Veon Bell. I don't think it was about making $16-17 million. Even though he probably would have wanted that, I think it was more about the guaranteed money for Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon wanted 
a high guarantee and the Steelers just weren't willing to offer that. And the Jets did. So yes, he's only making $13 million base salary. But he's going to make a lot more money in guarantees. And he's going to make up that money that he lost from last year. So if you think about it, Le'Veon Bell did win his war. And he got what he wanted. But you're giving Sam Darnold, Le'Veon Bell, you're going to give him a fantastic running back, top three running back in the league. And it's going to really take a lot of pressure off of Sam Darnold, who just didn't have the help last season. The Jets also added Jamison Crowder and some other weapons. The Jets are going to be the best team in New York next season. Maybe not a playoff team. We'll see. Sam Darnold is still young, still a little raw. But things are really looking up for the Jets for the next couple of seasons. They're going to be the best team in New York while the Giants flounder and rebuild. Things look incredible for them. Um, If we're looking at some other signings, I mean, just so much. Um, The Chiefs released their safety, Eric Berry, after they signed Tyron Matthew to that three-year deal um, because of just the injuries he's had over the last couple of seasons. I believe he's only played three games since 2016, so that's obviously a concern. Uh, Eric Berry did visit with the Cowboys earlier this week. So he did leave, he did he left there without a deal. So he's I think he's meeting with other teams and then he's gonna make a decision. My guess is he's not gonna sign with the Cowboys, although I think the Cowboys should have put something on the table for him because they need a safety. One with great veteran leadership who, when healthy, is arguably the best in the league. Um The New York Giants said they're committed to keeping Eli for 2019. I think that's just a huge mistake because they they need a quarterback. Even if you're like they need to draft a quarterback, and if you want to sit him behind Eli for a year to let him learn the offense, fine. But to just straight up just have Eli and not have a a plan for the future, I think is a mistake. We'll see what they decide to do, but. The Jacksonville Jaguars waived Blake Bortles after they signed Nick Foles. I would have kept Blake Bortles as a backup because he would have been a, at least a, an okay backup. Uh, but Blake Bortles moved on to the LA Rams and they brought him in to back up Jared Goff on a two-year deal. Um... We're continuing to look around here. Um, the Giants did add Golden Tate on a four-year four-year deal. I think it was worth $29 million. Actually, sorry, four-year $37 million, 23 guaranteed. So that's where I was getting that 20-something number. So at least they're getting him, but he's an older receiver. I don't not really sure about that. Um, Teddy Bridgewater re-signed with the Saints 
Uh, he, he just really likes his system there. And I think he's probably staying there because he thinks Drew Brees is going to be out after this season. He signed a one-year deal worth seven and seven and a quarter million dollars, seven point two five million. So he's so if it was a two-year deal, I would probably think that the following season would be Drew Brees retired. But I I think he really likes that system. He said that New Orleans made football fun, so that's probably what he's thinking. He's probably valuing that and the environment more so than getting a starting job. Um, Kareem Hunt for the Browns was suspended eight games by the NFL for violating the, the league's uh, code of contact, uh, conduct. Obviously, with that the, the, the domestic violence stuff that surfaced uh, late in the season uh, last year. So he's going to be... with away from the team for eight games. But when he comes back, he's going to immediately add to that offense. And if you think about it, this year may not be the Browns' year, although I think they have a great shot of making the AFC title game. The next couple of seasons, they're going to be really good, and they're going to be loaded with talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, what a way to help a quarterback develop. Baker Mayfield, I already think, is pretty good. But when if you given you're giving him weapons like Njoku and Landry and Odell, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, I mean, you're really helping out a young quarterback, helping him develop. Because you're giving him receivers that can make him look good. That ball could be off target and Landry and Odell can just go up and get the ball wherever it is. And people forget that these guys were actually teammates in college, Landry and, and Odell. They both played at LSU together. So they obviously have chemistry. They're obviously great friends. They actually played against each other in high school as well. So these guys are no strangers. It's going to be really entertaining for them. I think Hard Knocks might have came a season too early for this team because... This is, that would be really exciting to watch again on Hard Knocks. But they're just so talented, and that's extremely beneficial for a young quarterback, especially a quarterback who's only going to be entering his second season in the league. Um, if we continue to look around, the Dolphins traded away their starting quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, uh, to the Tennessee Titans, and they got a fourth rounder and a seventh rounder in return. The fourth rounders for 2020 and the seventh rounders for 2019. It's clearly for injury reasons, just not reliable. Although I think Ryan Tannehill is actually a very viable mid-level quarterback. I actually like Ryan Tannehill a lot, but I think the Titans are probably getting, getting him for insurance from Marcus Mariota because Mariota's had injury struggles of his own. And then the Dolphins, they tried to get Teddy Bridgewater, but like I said, he re-signed with the Saints. But they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick from the Buccaneers, and he's likely going to be their starter unless they draft someone. And Ryan Ryan Fitzpatrick will probably start, and they'll bring someone in to sit behind him. 
That's why I can't wait to get into the draft stuff because I just I I love the speculation. Uh, Tyler Eifert is returning to the Bengals for a one-year deal. It's obviously going to be a prove-it deal. See what you got. See if you can stay healthy. And if not, he'll be out the door after next season. Uh, the, the Cincinnati Bengals cut Vontez Perfect after seven seasons. He's obviously just... He's been injury-riddled as well. And obviously he has severe immaturity issues. Not he's a dirty player on the field. It's not really something you want hanging around your locker room. And then he actually signed a deal with the Oakland Raiders shortly after. I believe it's a one-year, five million dollar deal. Some other stuff recently today: the Dallas Cowboys added Randall Cobb on a one-year, five million dollar deal. He was from the Packers. And that's actually going to be a replacement for Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley actually left the Cowboys, signed a four-year, $29 million deal with the Buffalo Bills. So it's kind of a big loss, but you're getting a nice gain. It's, it's a pretty good consolation, if you ask me. I think Randall Cobb, when healthy, is better than Cole Beasley. It's only for one year, but it's only $5 million, so you're not locked into a ton of money long-term. And I think that's going to be actually really good for for Dak Prescott. Having Amari Cooper, you have Michael Gallup on the other side who turned out to be a pretty good receiver for a rookie, a fourth-round rookie. And then Randall Cobb in the slot, I think, is just as good, if not better, than Cole Beasley. Of course, he's got to be healthy. But both Cole Beasley and Randall Cobb had their share of injury struggles last year. So we'll see how that works out. But that's the that's pretty much the latest. Obviously, there's so much more that I can go into depth about. Um, but they're just not as high-profile players. Um, but a couple guys to look out for on the free agent market as we approach the draft, especially for teams that are struggling as far as cap situations go. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have no cap space at all. I think they're going to end up cutting Gerald McCoy if they can't uh, find a trade market for him. So you're going to trade or you're going to get rid of Gerald McCoy, you're going to shed about 15 million dollars in cap. And that'll allow them to be able to sign their whole draft class for this season because right now they can't even sign their draft class with the money they have. And so they're going to have to make trades, make cuts, and cutting Gerald McCoy will free up $15 million to be able to sign their entire draft class. And then maybe if they can if they can get a pick for Gerald McCoy even, getting a pick for Gerald McCoy like a first rounder, that may allow them to replace Gerald McCoy with a guy like Ed Oliver or maybe an edge rusher, something like that. And then I think another person uh, for the free agent market, I think Joe Hayden, the Pittsburgh Steelers starting corner, is probably going to get cut. They're not paying him a ton of money, but it's obviously going to free up a little bit of cap space. And he hasn't been producing. He's been kind of 
injury stricken over the last couple of seasons. I look for him to be on the free agent market as well. Robert Quinn, the defensive end for the da- uh, for the Miami Dolphins. They're looking to trade him, move off of him. The Cowboys are interested. He visited with the Cowboys today. Likely going to go there. But I mean, just so much going on as far as free agency in the NFL. And free agency in the NFL has become a lot like free agency in the NBA. It's just been just as much, if not more entertaining over the last couple of seasons. It's been just so, so fun to to just observe. Uh, But I do want to get into some NFL mock drafts. And my plan, as I stated over two weeks ago, was I was going to do the first 10 picks of of a mock draft. So that way I'm not doing all 32 picks in one episode. That just kind of seems monotonous, boring. And I'm not going to do that. But my friend Alec, Alec Bell, he's been on the show a couple of times. We've talked some NBA stuff and some some football stuff before. He wants to come on, and I want him to come on, and we're going to do a mock draft together on an episode. Hopefully we can do that sometime this week, just depending on how our schedules coincide. So that's when we're going to do a mock draft. We're going to get into some, some of our predictions and speculations on who's going to go where. And I'm going to make sure I promote that on Twitter so that way you guys can listen to that. And I've got to be more active on Twitter as well. I've just been so bad. I should have at least just put a tweet out you know, a week or so ago and just let you guys know my current situation, which is what I've got going on with school. But I've just been really bad about it got to be better i've got to be more engaging with you guys but we're going to have an nfl mock draft coming soon with me and alec hopefully it's going to be this week we just got to figure out when we can do it i'm sure we'll be able to do it this weekend if we can't do it on a weeknight so we'll just see how that works out but be ready for that and i'll be sure to to promote that on twitter um when I know these the exact details on that. Um, if we're looking around the NBA now, we're, we're segue to the NBA, shift gears to this. Um, the LA Lakers have just had a an abysmal season. Not what people thought it was going to be. I mean, if you think about it, before LeBron James got hurt, and I really think that that's what did the Lakers in, this is one of the main reasons why they've had such a poor season. Before LeBron got injured, having that groin injury on Christmas Day, the Lakers were sitting at four, in the fourth seed in the Western Conference. And they were playing great basketball. They were playing tough against the Warriors. They ended up beating the Warriors without LeBron for half of that game. But after that, you know, they didn't have a great record without LeBron, who missed 18 games because of that injury. And then when he returned, the Lakers just haven't been the same. They haven't been able to get it back on track. And they're not going to make the playoffs this year. It's going to be the first time LeBron's missed the playoffs in 13 seasons. And it's going to be the first time LeBron hasn't been in a finals in eight, or what will be, yeah, eight years. He's been in it the last eight years, and now this is going to be. No finals for him this year. 
I think this certainly, obviously you can't control in injury, and I don't hold that against LeBron James. But the other thing with the Anthony Davis trade talks, as soon as he went public with that stuff, and I've talked about this before, that ruined the, the team when he came back. I mean, that just destroyed all self-confidence within all of those guys. And of course, they're professionals. They're going to go out and play. But I wouldn't have any confidence to go out there and play if there were rumors that I was going to be traded. You know, five members of our team were going to be traded for Anthony Davis. And I think that just kind of destroyed the whole morale of the LA Lakers. They traded their one of their best young players, Avicii Zubac, for Mike Muscala. Who doesn't even play? He's he sucks, to be quite frank. I mean, I just don't know what Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka are doing. I have no idea. They're not the gurus I thought they would be. They're they're not top quality front office mates in the NBA. I mean, when you look across the NBA at some of the top front offices, the Celtics and the Rockets come to mind right up top. Daryl Morey with the with the Rockets and Danny Ainge with the Celtics. They're the two best GMs in the NBA. They just do a fantastic job at recruiting players, signing players, trading for players. They're the best in, in the business. Magic and Rob just simply aren't. They're all about the glamour, the glitz. And they're not locked in on basketball. And I don't think LeBron's locked in on basketball either. It's another thing. And I think that hurts his legacy. I don't think LeBron is just... I think he's more focused, especially with the season kind of turning out the way it has. I think he's just more focused on his his Hollywood projects. His Million Dollar Mile with Tim Tebow. The shop on HBO doing all of his businesses, I think the L.A. life kind of got to LeBron a little bit. I mean, when he showed up to L.A., to LA he had four billionaires wanting to do business with him. And I think, you know, a young kid from Akron, from from Akron, Ohio, Ohio doesn't have a lot. Who can turn that down? I don't really blame him. Because who can turn down doing business with billionaires? And I think that's the difference between a guy like LeBron and a guy like Kobe Bryant. LeBron lives literally smack dab in the middle of LA with billionaires all around him. And Kobe kind of isolated himself from that stuff. He lived a couple hours down the road. He didn't want to get involved with all that L.A. stuff. He was all about basketball. He was all about winning. He really wasn't into all the glitz and the glamour and everything. He was about basketball. And LeBron is kind of all about his his side projects. And he kind of got too engrossed with, with all the, the L.A. bright lights. If he was with another team that wasn't as high profile if he was in Chicago or in Miami. I think it might be a different story and I think he would be more focused on basketball. But because it's LA or maybe if he had went to the Knicks or something, 
that's that's the media capital of the world. <laughs> I mean, you'd have billionaires talking at you there too. I think LeBron got caught up, and I think that's another reason why this Lakers team suffered. Three reasons why this this Lakers team suffered. LeBron got caught up in, in too much of the LA stuff. He the the Anthony Davis trade talks really just weren't great for this team and it kind of just threw the morale in the trash. Magic and, and Rob Palenka aren't great front office executives. They're not elite. And LeBron got injured. So that's actually four. Four reasons why this Lakers season just didn't turn out the way it probably should have. And it's pretty disappointing. And I don't know if the Lakers are going to be able to bring in a marquee free agent in the summer. I don't think they're going to be able to lure a a Clay Thompson or or bring in a Kawhi Leonard or a Kevin Durant or guys like that. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. I don't know. I just I I think LeBron has kind of taken the luster off of playing with him. He's older. He's going to be another year older next season. He looks like he's slowing down. He the injury really hampered him, and this team just wasn't what it was. And I don't think the Lakers are going to be able to trade for Anthony Davis in the offseason because these assets just this young core simply isn't good just isn't good enough outside of Kyle Kuzma and maybe a little bit of Brandon Ingram they don't have much they don't have anything to offer the Pelicans for Anthony Davis and I think that's going to really hurt them and I think this is going to be all for naught for the Lakers I think LeBron's just going to live out the rest of his career as an LA kid doing all the business having a lot of fun not doing enough basketball. And I think that's going to hurt his legacy in the end in the GOAT discussion with MJ. But I'm going to shift gears to this. Um, So the NBA season is obviously winding down. We've got less than 20 games left for pretty much all teams in in the regular season before we hit the playoffs. But I want to go over my MVP race, kind of give you my top three that I think are the best candidates for MVP in my eyes. My my top my top guy for MVP who would get my vote is Giannis Antetokounmpo. If you look at him right now, he's averaging 27 points a game, six assists, almost 13 rebounds. Um, and then second on my list, I'd probably say James Harden or Paul. see I have Paul James Harden and Paul George. It's tough. These two guys have just had incredible seasons. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Paul George because Paul George has been just extremely important for this OKC team this year. He's been extremely valuable. Without Paul George, the Thunder wouldn't be in this position. They've just absolutely needed him this year. He's averaging 28 points a game, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. He leads the league in steals. 
And I think he made the right decision staying with Russell Westbrook because Russell Westbrook needs Paul George. Paul George is that guy in OKC. He is their best player. And he's just been absolutely beneficial to this team. And they've needed every bit of his production to be where they're at in the Western Conference. And then James Harden, I'll put it third. He's averaging almost 36 points a game, 35.9. Six rebounds, 7.7 assists. He's having a heck of a year scoring the basketball. He's He had over 30-plus straight games scoring 30-plus points. I mean, that's just an incredible streak. Will Chamberlain is the only other player in NBA history to have a longer streak. What he's done this year has been incredible, and they've needed really every bit of that as well. The Rockets have. So James Harden, James Harden's having an incredible year, and he's doing it really all on his own. Because Chris Paul, again, has been injury-riddled. And everything he's been doing has been kind of unassisted. He's kind of been having to do all the work on his own. It's kind of boring to watch. It's not it's not aesthetically pleasing. But, I mean, he's doing everything he can for this basketball team. And they've needed every single point and every single assist he's dropped. Um, but one important stat that I, I heavily factor in the MVP discussion is the plus minus. And I haven't mentioned it yet for each of these players, but that's why I deliberately left it to last. Uh, the plus minus, I think is just really important and it just really shows your overall impact on the court. So your it's the total box score plus minus offense. It includes offense and defense. Giannis Antetokounmpo's is 10.8, Paul George is 5.8, and then James Harden is 11. The reason, now, hearing that, listening to that, you might be like, well, why don't you have James Harden number one, or at least second behind Giannis? And the reason why is because of James Harden's usage rate. James Harden is literally has to do everything for the team, and I guess you could argue that that's what makes him the most valuable player. But he he takes it upon himself to do everything for this team. His usage rate is so high. And that's the reason why he has the stats that he does. So he's got a great plus minus, but he's not extremely efficient. He doesn't have a great efficiency rating because his usage is so high. He has a great plus minus because... Without him on the court, the Rockets aren't good. So if you look at it from that perspective, it's the reason why he's third. Giannis Antetokounmpo with 10.8. That's really high for a guy averaging the uh, the numbers he is, 27, 6, and 12. The Milwaukee Bucks lead the NBA as far as records, record-wise, and they're going to have the East's best record. And they're going to challenge the the Celtics and the Sixers and the Raptors to, to go to the NBA Finals. And I think they have a great shot to do it. They've just been fantastic this year. And if that's just a great stat line. 27, 6 assists, almost 13 rebounds, and a 10.8 plus minus in the total box score. I think that's fantastic. And then if you look at Paul George, 28 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, as I said. 5.8 plus minus, not as high. It's it's about half the other guys. But 
he's just been extremely valuable to the team just based on the eye test. I mean, Russell Westbrook is a guard that can't shoot in a shooter's league. And Paul George has really picked up the slack for this OKC team and everything he's done has kept the Thunder in playoff position. And it looks like they're more primed to make a deeper run this season. And I've got him second. So even though the the plus minus isn't as high, if you look at that compared to Russell Westbrook's, it's extremely beneficial for this team. And I think that's why he is one of the most valuable players in the league. Certainly top three most valuable player. It's up to you who you think your most valuable player is, but I've got Giannis followed by Paul George, followed by James Harden. And now that we're in March, it's March, officially now March 20th. Started recording this March 19th. It's 12.30 a.m. Way past my bedtime. <laughs> but um, March Madness is here. It the, the bracket is set. And I'm just, I'm really excited. This is honestly one of the most exciting times in sports, March Madness. Never know what's going to happen with all the bracket challenges and stuff. I'm going to make a bracket challenge for the Will Ford show. And I'll make it, uh, I don't know if I I should make it public or private. um, Because honestly, I don't know how many people are going to join. But I want a lot of people to join because I think it would be really fun to do. Obviously, I'm going to try to get my friends to join it. Um. I'm going to promote it on Twitter. I'm not going to make it right now because I'm not exactly sure when the tournament's going to start. I can look that up right now. Um, March Madness 2019. Um, So it actually looks like the first four games are being played a couple of the first four games were played tonight. And then some of them are tomorrow or I guess today. If you're being technical. But the first round of the tournament officially. Actually, it does officially start tomorrow. So I have to get on that. I have to create a, bra- a bracket challenge fast. Because after the first four games are over... We're going to get straight into the first round. We'll have Minnesota, Louisville, Yale, LSU. Those are going to be around 12, 15, 12, 30. A couple games at 132. And we're just going to have games all day long. So I'm going to need to make a bracket challenge fast. Well, I'll just make it public to make it easy. Excuse me. Had a hiccup there, but I have to make it public just to make it easy. I'll tell you guys what to search and I'll make sure I put that on Twitter. And then I got to download that March Madness app on my phone and and watch some games, man. That's going to be really fun. If I can find some time between classes and in between sales stuff and WMCO stuff. But just looking at the the bracket, uh, I think an upset for me, two upsets that I just gut feeling just looking at it, because really, you kind of just, you can't really go off a gut feeling. You can't do a ton of research. It's really, you just, March Madness is just something that you just guess and just hope you get it right. The best I ever did was my it was when I was in eighth grade. 
I made it through almost the entire first round perfect in one of my brackets, except one game, and that was Duke versus Mercer, where Mercer upset Duke in the first round. I I had one of the only perfect brackets left. I think I was like one left out of like 100 brackets. Like it was insane. And like people thought like I was a genius for the first, you know, week of the tournament. (laughs) But so that was the best luck I've ever had. Hopefully we can get a little further past the first round this year, but I'll make a, I'll make a bracket challenge on the ESPN app, the ESPN tournament bracket challenge. And I'll share the details on Twitter. Um, but a couple upsets that I'm looking at. This is kind of weird how it's set up. Let's see if I can find a bracket, actually. Printable bracket. Let's see. Let's see what we got. It loads. My internet's kind of, kind of trash. I don't know. But two teams. One of the teams I'm really looking at is. Oh gosh, it just slipped my mind. Murray State with John ja Morant. They're going to be a 12, 12 seed. John ja Morant is a top three prospect as far as the NBA draft goes. I really like them. They're playing Marquette in the first round. They're a five seed. I I like Murray State over Marquette in that game. Then again, that could be a total swing and a miss. Um, you never know. I could be totally wrong. Um, but I a couple other teams I really like. Ole Miss, who is I believe an eight seed. Trying to get this bracket to load here so I can really just see what we're looking at. Okay, so I like Ole Miss, who's an eight seed. They're going to be playing number nine, Oklahoma. They're on the south side of the bracket. Um, I like. Let's see, who is it? I saw. I already mentioned Murray State over Marquette. Well, gee, I can't find it. Um, I do like Auburn as well. I think Auburn is another sleeper team to watch out for. They're a five seed, so then not necessarily an upset, but I think they're a team that people could be sleeping on. And then another upset. I always feel weird about the Midwest side of the the bracket every year. That's the bottom right corner, in case you don't know what I'm talking about. I always have a weird feeling about the Midwest. And it's the number two seed. I don't know why I feel so weird about it. But Kentucky is the number two seed in the Midwest. I think they're going to get upset in the first round by Abilene Christian University 15 seed. It's my gut feeling. Then again, could be totally wrong. I'm not going to sit here and tell you what I think the best picks are because that would just that wouldn't be 
Like I wouldn't be right, obviously. No one is an expert when it comes to March Madness. Um, but if you're looking at the all the number one seeds, Duke is the number one seed in the East. Virginia is the number one seed in the South. North Carolina is the number one seed in the Midwest. And then Gonzaga is the number one seed in the West. Duke is the clear favorite in my eyes to win the title, especially with Zion Williamson healthy. R.J. Barrett and, and all those boys. North Carolina, I think, is the biggest threat to Duke in the tournament, being that they're ACC rivals. And the only way they can meet is in the national championship. Uh, straight, just gut reaction, national championship. I'm going to take Duke. And it's either going to be versus North Carolina or Villanova, who's a number six seed. They've kind of had a down year, but I still like them a lot with Jay Williams as their head coach. Either Duke, it's going to be Duke versus one of those teams. Doesn't really matter because I'm picking Duke to win anyways. It's going to be really exciting. I'm going to get on making a bracket. Making, I'm making a tournament challenge bracket. And I'll I'll even make a video just taking you through um, a bracket. Me filling out one on paper. I'll just film myself doing one on paper and make a video and try to get that out tomorrow um, as well as a, another video from this episode. So, yeah, very exciting. So much I've covered in this episode. Been been talking to you for over an hour. But that's – I could talk so much more about some of this other stuff that I've talked about in this episode. But that's pretty much all I got for you guys this morning, I guess, as it's 12.45 in the morning. Um, but make sure you follow the show on Twitter, at The Will Ford Show. Um, I'm going to – I got to try to be more active on there. I'm going to let you know details about the tournament challenge tomorrow, post some stuff as well on, on YouTube. Um, I want to also start creating some – doing some more creative content. I'm not necessarily just talking about sports – and doing some of this stuff on Twitter. I want to do some more stuff with YouTube, try to find a way to do some more creative content where I'm reacting to sports stuff. I'm not sure if I really have the technological capabilities to be able to do some of that stuff, but just some ideas swirling around in my head. Um, One of my friends started a Twitch stream. Uh, Garrett Knoll, I want to give you a shout out, buddy. Uh, Gnoll18 is his Twitch account. Make sure you follow his Twitch account to see some awesome gameplay. Plays games like uh, Fortnite, Overwatch, Warframe, Apex Legends. He's playing a, a variety of games. And he's a really great gamer as well. He is really good at video games. Way better at video games than I am. But be sure to go follow his account. Plays some really cool games. And he's really good at them too. And his account, it's it's growing. He's getting he's getting some followers. Um, so be sure to go do that. Wanted to give you a shout out, Gino. Um, starting a Twitch account is something that I'm interested in doing as well. Maybe streaming some 
some sports video games. I know me and my friend Alec, we talked about maybe doing one with Madden because we do draft champions on Madden. And it gets insane sometimes. Some of the the Madden cheese, like just some of the, the glitches in the system that are just crazy to watch. And then, of course, we argue with each other all the time and we never never let each other live losses down. So it's something that I'm also interested in trying to do, but it's just, again, finding the time. I don't really want to overpromise because I know I've been kind of inconsistent over the last couple of weeks. So really over the last month or so, but I, I don't want to overpromise, but those are just ideas that I have bouncing around in my head. Certainly my goal right now is just to get more consistent with the podcast, uploading more episodes, and then being more active on social media. Um, and then once I get more consistent and I'm able to get time management down, I suppose, because that's really just key as far as a college student goes, then I can really look into maybe starting the Twitch account or doing some more creative content on YouTube and stuff like that. But that's all I've got for, for today's show. Like I said, follow the show on Twitter at the Will Ford Show. I'll have our tournament bracket challenge out on Twitter tomorrow. Uh, make sure you check out my YouTube page as well. I post videos, clips of the episode on YouTube after each episode. So be sure to check that out as well. That's the Will Ford Show on YouTube. Uh, you can't miss it. I've got my hair up in a bun. It's like an outline of my face in a bun. And just stick with me, guys. I know I've been inconsistent. I know it's you're probably tired of hearing my excuses. I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just trying to explain to you guys why I haven't been as consistent as I wanted to be. So, so uh, take care, guys. And I'll see you guys in episode 63 later on in the week. It's WFS. <laughs>